lecture is taken from the graduate course Introduction to Charitable Planning at Texas Tech University. To download the PowerPoint slides for this lecture, or to take the online quiz for this lecture, or to find out more about the Graduate Certificate in Charitable Financial Planning at Texas Tech University, go to EncourageGenerosity.com. comments uh, about, before we get into some of the ideas, um, let me make a few comments about why you should be in this class. And this is a, this is somewhat of a takeoff of my, uh, of the slideshow that I sent out, but I want to talk just briefly about a couple of the points, and, and I've added a, a couple of other points as well. Uh, and uh, I think we can do that before the first, uh, before the first break. All right, so if you are going into financial planning, and those of you that are already interested in plan giving, obviously this is a course about plan giving, so it's pretty straightforward. But why study plan, uh, charitable planning, either in this course or even in the whole graduate uh, certificate uh, sequence that we're looking at doing? Well, this is one of the main arguments if you're going into financial planning, uh, and that is that the clients you want care about charitable planning. That is, for most people who are going into financial planning with the goal of making a lot of money, those financial planners who tend to make a lot of money tend to work with clients who have a lot of, uh, of wealth. Uh, and as we look here, this is from the uh, IRS Statistics of Income, and it was just showing on estates as they were looking at taxable estates uh, and showing what was the uh, uh, likelihood of uh, charitable uh, giving taking place in the estate. And you can see this is a very, this is an activity in terms of estate planning that tends to be fairly highly skewed to the, uh, to the higher end of the wealth segment. Now, this is not necessarily the case. In fact, it's not the case when it comes to current giving. And we'll talk a lot about current giving as well. But when we're talking about estate giving, estate giving tends to be very highly skewed to the, to the, the high income side of things. In fact, um, uh, even though the majority of people in this country make regular charitable gifts, only about 5% of the population have uh, charitable gifts planned in their estate plans. Uh, now, part of that's because um, a large percentage of the population has no, um, no estate plan to start with, um, but, uh, but only about 5%. And actually, it's, it's just slightly over 5% for the over 50 population. Uh, and so we're looking at a population that you would expect to be planned. Um, but only uh, about 5.9% of the over 50 population has a charitable component in their estate plan. So it's relatively rare, and it tends to be skewed to the high end of wealth. Now, we'll learn that part of this, of course, is, has to do with uh, the estate taxes and estate tax planning that becomes more prevalent at this end. But I'm working right now on a project with a colleague in Australia where he's collected some Australian data. Australia doesn't have an estate tax, and uh, we're picking up pretty much the same kind of skew uh, there where charitable estate planning largely takes place among those uh, with, uh, with a, a high amount of wealth. Now that data uh, that he's using is from probate records from one particular, um, uh, I don't know what they call them there, uh, uh, they're not states, or maybe they are states uh, uh, in, I think it's the state called Victoria uh, in Australia. But, uh, so part of it is tax related, but part of it is not, I would say. Uh, and then, of course, uh, already mentioned to here, um, if you uh, uh, are interested in clients that are at the very extreme end of the wealth, and you see uh, in the news most recently, of course, is uh, the, uh, uh, the pledge by Bill Gates and uh, a number of other billionaires 
uh, who have uh, who have pledged to give uh, half uh, of their uh, wealth to uh, charity, uh, and uh, some so, uh, Tom Monahan, um, uh, Lucas from Star Wars fame. Um, who else? We had some local the the uh, oil guy, yeah, Pickens, that gives all the money to Oklahoma State. Um, so I don't know that that may not be a good sign for the competitive football situation, but that is what what it is there. Um, so this is this is this is a big deal. Uh, this is a big deal in the news. It's a big deal with wealthy clients and a big deal with the really 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 wealthy clients as well. Um, you can provide big value when we get into looking at how you can save on capital gains, on income, uh, capital gains tax, income tax, uh, gift tax, estate tax. Do all of these things simultaneously. Um, this can be a really really big deal. Uh, and I just gave the example in the sheet that was handed out, and we'll get to this, but not until later in the semester, uh, just to kind of give you a feel for if you have a client who wants to do the, you know, your client wants to do the top line there. Okay, they say, oh, this is what I want to do. Uh, they're going to sell their $10 million low basis business, uh, invest in securities, returning 5%, withdraw 5% a year, and at death they want to leave half to the children. They can accomplish that either of two ways. They can do it with sophisticated planning, accomplish those same goals that can do it without sophisticated planning, but the tax differences can be massive depending on uh, which, uh, which direction they go. They can get an immediate income tax deduction or no immediate income tax deduction. They can pay capital gains tax or not pay capital gains tax. Uh, receive more lifetime income, less lifetime in income. They can give their kids side of the inheritance 100% estate tax free or pay estate taxes, which uh, certainly with the uh, way things uh, look uh, here in January are going to be uh, are going to be pretty significant. Um, it's sort of interesting. The time that I was most active was uh, when the uh, um, uh, the estate tax exemption uh, only knocked out people at six hundred thousand dollars and below. And then I sort of got out for a little while, and now we're sort of coming back to that same world with the million dollar exemption. Um, that's about kind of where it was with 600000 in 1994, uh, maybe even a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, harsher. So there's going to be a lot of demand for uh, estate tax-related planning, and charitable planning can do really tremendous things in that area if you have a client who has charitable interests. Um, yes, you can make money doing it. And I just throw this out uh, from a planning perspective. That last transaction, which is a charitable remainder trust, irrevocable life insurance trust combination, does require the use of a fairly uh, massive, um, single, usually single premium uh, life insurance policy. Where did you find some of these pictures? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would rather play around with pictures than do real work, so <laughs> you'll see a lot of these things. Um, What is the hottest part of financial services industry right now? Um, this was uh, this was a uh, uh, this was just a couple of days ago. Uh, okay, July fifteenth. Um, and what we're seeing in these donor advised funds, this was from Schwab. Um, they're breaking records in this economy at this time. This is an area of the sector, and, and we'll look at some more numbers of it um, uh, later tonight. That is just. It's just breaking records, and there's not too many areas of financial uh, services that are just have this kind of a, a trend right now. Donor advised funds um, are are very strong, uh, and Schwab is one of the three largest. Fidelity's largest, Schwab's uh, uh, second, and uh, I forgot who's number three right now. Donor advised funds. This is uh, something that changed in 
91, 92. It changed conceptually because Fidelity introduced the first uh, donor advice funds. Uh, and it changed because for advisors now, through the use of a donor advice fund, you can transfer, uh, help to transfer clients' wealth into a donor advice fund. Now, it's committed to be given out to uh, charities uh, at, at some point, but you can continue to manage those funds. And this was a big watershed for advisors because always before, from an advisor's purely self-interested perspective, you're, you're working against charitable giving. Charitable giving means less assets under management. It le means less money, less prestige. We don't like it from a purely you know, self-interested perspective. Now, with donor-advised funds, that's not the case. Donor-advised funds means that charitable giving does not necessarily mean fewer assets under management. In fact, um, if you look at assets that are in the client's uh, regular personal account or assets that are in the client's charitable account, um, you've really got the trade-off between which is going to last longer, depends on how much they're going to have asset depletion from consumption versus asset depletion from transfers. And there's no sort of pre-existing requirement that one's going to be faster than the other. So it's not necessarily a loss to assets under management now to start thinking about these charitable uh, transfers. In fact, in both of these cases, these may very well be largely second-generation activities. You may have families that, uh, individuals that tend to accumulate a lot of wealth, they may not actually consume much of it during their life. You may have families who transfer a lot into a charitable trust, but they really want to have their children and their grandchildren involved in deciding where and how that's distributed, and so they may not distribute a whole lot of it during their lives. Uh, and so in both cases, you have uh, a long-term period of asset management, which is relevant for uh, financial advisors who are compensated based on assets under management. So it's a different world. And the donor advice funds have made that, that um, the, the whole concept of charitable planning much more uh, uh, feasible and much more uh, beneficial to financial advisors. Uh, and of course there's this, making a difference and not just a dollar. It's the idea that uh, one of two ways this information can really make an impact on the world. One, as a financial advisor, you're going to be working with clients and likely have access to clients who have access to resources. And although you may not personally, although that'd be great if you can, you may not personally write a million dollar check uh, to a charitable organization, it's not at all unexpected that you would have the opportunity to be the catalyst that makes that happen as financial advisors. So you really can make a bigger impact on the world than you may think because you're working with people who have the ability to do that. The other way that you can make this difference is, of course, there is the whole career track of uh, planned giving, where you work with donors, showing them how they can give more efficiently, they can do more than they thought, and they can do it uh, in a more efficient, effective manner. Uh, this, I enjoy these sort of happiness studies. I've published a couple of things on satisfaction and happiness, all of that. Um, but there's been some fairly interesting research, some done really well, suggesting that uh, there is this connection, that the act of giving, of benefiting somebody else, the act of charitable giving, is something that, um, that has a, a close association with 
uh, human happiness, uh, and more so even than than uh, uh, than consumption. There's even an interesting study that was done. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of these statistical associations, but one of my favorite studies was one where they actually gave students money uh, in a class, and you were randomly selected. Either you had money and you were supposed to buy something and, and consume it or you were supposed to find somebody to give it to. And the students would report on their experience, uh, and also during the course of this, they would report on the, give their self-reported happiness levels. And in fact, using that sort of experimental design, finding out that made people happier to find a place, someone to give it to, uh, than to actually just buy something and consume it themselves. Uh, so this is, uh, this is, I think, a, 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 a relevant distinction here. Um, learn how to help families pass along both value and values. We'll talk about in the class that's not just all about tax planning and the rules and how to get the most out of the system. It's also about setting up structures that involve the next generation. Get them involved in some of the charitable, charitable decisions and charitable thought process. That can be really important to clients that want to pass along those values. And then finally, assisting your favorite charities and providing planned giving services to their donors. You can do this as a career, you could do this as a financial planner uh, pro bono, uh, or you could combine the two, perhaps do it pro bono and get in contact with uh, potential clients who, uh, who have resources that uh, you may want to be talking to anyway. So I think there's a lot of potential motivations to learn some of the information that we're going to be learning this semester. But we're at 520, so no more learning for the next 10 minutes.